So friends, uh, we have been going through a series on providence uh, in our Sunday school class or teaching class, as it is known. But now we have moved on from providence and we are starting a series on creeds and confessions. Creeds and confessions. So just a, a, a definition to work with. Um, a creed is simply a statement of faith. Statement of faith uh, is basically what you believe, what you confess. You know, if you say Jesus is Lord, that is now a creed. It's a statement of faith. So we are going to be looking at today what is known as the Apostles' Creed or also known as the 12 Articles of faith. So chronologically, uh, throughout history, we have had statements of faith. Uh, in the early church, we had the Apostles' Creed, which we'll look at. And then there was later on, a couple of centuries later, there was the Nicene Creed, and then the Athanasian Creed, and then the uh, Chalcedonian uh, definition or creed. And later on, you'll see these confessions coming up, the Canons of Dort, uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, the 1689, etc., etc., as we go on, uh, even up to today. In fact, now, nowadays, there's even uh, the Baptist Faith and Message of 2000, which is adopted by a lot of Baptist churches in America and beyond. But I want to ask you a question. If someone was to ask you how to summarize the Christian faith, what were you going to say? How are you going to present the truth of God's word in capsule form? How better to find out about the Christian faith from its origins of the Christian faith itself and summarized so magnificently in the Apostles' Creed, which is the oldest statement of faith in the Christian church. And it is written sometime uh, in the second century AD, so about 200 years after Christ. <clears throat> and the Creed defines core Christian beliefs about God, Jesus, the church, salvation, and other theological uh, topics. It's actually 12 articles long. It's very short. It's different from our, 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 our statements of faith, which are, you know, books now. You know, you've got uh, the 1689, the Westminster Confession of Faith. People have done expositions on them. And, you know, they've, they've, they're now, you know, solid books. But the Apostles' Creed was only 12 articles. And it is believed that each of the 12 apostles contributed one article to the creed under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Catholic Church still traditionally attributes each article. To, uh, of the creed to a specific apostle. So I want us to get terms right. There is the Roman Catholic Church 
which is the Roman Catholic Church, and then there is the Catholic Church, which is the right term for universal church. So when, we, when I say Catholic Church, I'm talking about the universal church. If I add Roman Catholic Church, then you know what I'm talking about. So unlike the Nicene Creed from the 4th century, the Apostles' Creed doesn't explicitly state the nature of Jesus' divinity or define the relationship between the members of the Trinity. So this left room for heresies. Okay? So when you look at the creeds, the creeds were actually uh, statements of faith in response to error, in response to heresy. They were not just statements of faith, full stop. They are rebuffing error, rebuffing heresy. It's almost to say, um, you know, we are here, we are Baptists, and we believe this, but we forsake this. That's what a statement of faith is. And the... the the Apostles' Creed was usually recited uh, when people were about to be baptized in the early church. So this creed was, was said to have been passed down uh, by the Apostles uh, to their disciples and so on and so on. And so when people were getting baptized, they would have the creed there and recite it, you know, as, as what they believe. So incidentally, or providentially, uh, in the early church, the early church were Baptists. They were creed or Baptists. No infant could recite the creed, so there was no infant baptism. But you see here that the creed was to be recited uh, during baptism. So today, numerous denominations still use some form of the Apostles' Creed as their statement of faith, including Catholics, right, Roman Catholics, Lutherans, Anglicans, Methodists, Presbyterians, and Congregationalists. So, in a way, this creed unites the universal church. It, it sets forth the foundational doctrines through which or by which we confess the faith. So even, uh, I'll read it and uh, in your hearing, and you will see and hear what this creed says. So what does the Apostles' Creed say? Well, there are several forms of the creed circulated in English-speaking churches, but most are only slight variations that edit or omits phrases that appear to have been added to the creed later, such as he descended into hell, or that could create confusion, or such as the Holy Catholic Church. So let me read uh, the ecumenical version, and I'll read the Roman Catholic version, and the, the, the modern one as well. Right, so the uh, ecumenical one says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, 
Alright? Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Was crucified. Died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church. The communion of the saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. And, the, and life everlasting. Amen. That is a summary of the Christian faith. If one way to test whether you are really a Christian or a believer is to go through the Apostles' Creed and see whether you actually hold fast to its teaching. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe that the Father exists? He created heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, etc., etc.? He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Some people say he was born of the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's what the Bible says. But anyway, the Bible says he was conceived. So let me read uh, the Roman Catholic version. Which is used in, 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 in their masses. I believe in God. The Father Almighty. Creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Was crucified, died and was buried, he descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. So, Friends, if, if any of you ever had questions uh, as to whether you, uh, you can be a Roman Catholic and be saved, here's the answer. That God does have his elect in the Roman Catholic Church, uh, no matter how uh, backslidden it is uh, now. Because the original documents that they believe in are traced to the apostles. How they then twisted everything later on to now start to, you know, give Mary a place that she's not given in the Bible is beyond me. And all these other, uh, you know, practices that they do is beyond me. But if you ever had any questions, there's your answer. So, the, the Apostles' Creed was developed in ancient Rome, right? In that time, there was persecution, the Christians were faced with constant threats, 
and scattering. So in a way, it was a, a, a form of comfort. You know, when, when you're persecuted, when you're being assailed for the Christian faith, you know, and then there's this creed that has been formulated. You can hold on to that. Uh, by that time, you know, the, 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 the canon was not really compiled as of yet. And the letters were still scattered and, and all those things. So one would not have the complete canon. But they had something to hold on to as comfort. Something to hold on to as an evangelistic tool. As they go about, as they are being persecuted. They have the Apostles' Creed. What do you believe? I, I, I'm identifying myself as a Christian and this is what I believe. And this was a witness to the unbelieving world. And this is the reason why we should memorize, we should understand, we should read these creeds and confessions because they form a foundational basis on which our faith is built on. There are people say, I don't want no creed but Christ, no confession but the Bible, just give me Jesus. But this Jesus, as Brother Felix preached um, a couple of weeks back, is a historical figure. See, there's a historical setting to Jesus. There is where he comes from. The events that he did. The things that he was part of. And who he is. So you, you can't divorce the creeds and say, well, this is outdated um, as many people say about creeds and confessions, they'll tell you it's outdated, you know, give me something new, give me something fresh, give me a fresh revelation. That's what they'll say. And yet, this is the foundation of the Christian faith, passed down from the apostles, handed down to us. And churches did flourish in that time but it was also a time where there were schisms or what we call divisions and splits between bishops who supported different Christian leaders and disagreed about who was the rightful bishop of Rome and yet in this time there was a creed that was devised for new converts to profess at baptism. It was a symbol of their Christian faith, a way of stating Christian beliefs that Christians could profess. And so friends, here at BRBC, we uh, hold to the 1689 London Baptist Convention of Faith which also has derived a lot of what it has added to it from the Apostles' Creed. So we find our rootings in the Bible. In case you, you wanted to find out, oh, so, you know, this London Baptist Convention of 1689, there's a and you know, you know, we should have our own. The truth is, as the Bible says, do not move ancient landmarks. Uh, do not move ancient stones, you know. This is where we find our rootings.
So I want to sort of uh, explore, before we get into uh, questions um, and even uh, rebuttals, I want to explore what the creed did in the early church. So the creed responded to a heresy that was known as Gnosticism, which, uh, if you read First uh, John, uh, you know, even Colossians, Paul uh, attacks Gnosticism, and basically what Gnosticism is, so Gnosticism is G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M, it, it denied the tenets, uh, sorry, it denied the main tenets of the Christian faith. Uh, for example, divine creation. It denied the incarnation of Christ. It denied the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gnostics uh, did not think that Jesus Christ was God. Uh, some would say, actually, he was just a special man. He was a special human being. Uh, there is doceticism where they say he, he only seemed to, to appear. Um, and so the creed was there to thwart this Gnostic heresy and continue to preserve orthodoxy, right Christian practice. So there's a lesson to be learned there, friends. There's a lesson to be learned that as carriers of the truth of God's word, we have a responsibility to uphold the Christian faith through creeds and confessions and pass it down to the next generation. It's a responsibility. Of course, if you know, it's not it's not so much so that God uh, needs us to do so. He commands us to do so. Even without us here, He would still do it. But we have a special privilege. To do so, we have a special privilege to thwart heresies, to, to thwart error by using a confession. So, for example, if, for, for, for example, the church raises a, 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 yeah, a concern over the conduct or the preaching of a pastor, what they do or what they should do is to hold him accountable through the confession, which summarizes what the Bible says, through the creeds. For example, if he preaches heresy and denies the deity of Christ, we have the duty as a church to hold the pastor accountable from an objective document perspective. And that document presents the truth, it's not subjective. It doesn't side with the pastor or side with the congregation. It is the objective truth that stands on its own and thus we should use it to thwart heresy. What? So, so for example, if, you, if you're dealing with sin in the church, church splits, whatever it is, what says the Bible? What does the confession say? Let's go. Let's go see what the confession says about tongues healings, uh, revelations, extra revelations. You know, you, you had a revelation, you had a dream. Okay, let's go to the confession. What does it say? Uh, 
The Apostles' Creed was also used, not only in the early church, to thwart Gnosticism and all sorts of heresies. It was used in the times of the Reformation. And we see that the, that the Creed had been affirmed in the Reformed traditions and taught as a summary of our Christian cardinal doctrines. So in his Institutes of Christian Religion, John Kelvin said that the creed furnishes us with the full and every way complete summary of faith, containing nothing but what has been derived from the infallible word of God. The Puritans uh, wrote and used the creed. And of course, maybe you're, you're, you're thinking, so why do we have other creeds? It is because even as the canon was closed, there, were, there are still a lot more things we can learn from the Bible. So the Bible is the only book that people have labored to explain. It doesn't explain other books. It explains itself. We are the ones who are trying to, you know, further explain it. That's why the other confessions, that's why people are writing volumes, uh, books upon books, volumes upon volumes, trying to explain or air out the truth of God's word. So, what are we to conclude, friends? about the Apostles' Creed or creeds in general. Subscribing to and systematically teaching the Apostles' Creed is rooted in historical precedent and has timeless spiritual benefit for Christians of all eras. Eras, if I say era, it's a different meaning. Eras. Teach your children the Apostles' Creed. Memorize it. Take time. You can even couple it with your devotions. Maybe you've got, you're reading a book, you're reading your Bible, you can take one of the creeds or the Apostles' Creed, look at it, study it, memorize it. And it helps you to even articulate the Christian faith even as you evangelize. Because as you go out there, people have questions. As you go out there, the spiritual warfare, people are out to thwart Christianity. Why do you believe the things that you believe? Who is the Father? We don't want you to be stammering. I'm, 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 I don't know. What did Jesus Christ do? Was Jesus Christ two natures, one nature? Was he a fusion? <laughs> Where is Jesus Christ? When someone says, ah, ask Jesus into your heart, what does that mean? Is that even biblical? Is that true? You can get all those truths from the creeds. And we see that the creed has been and continues to be a helpful aid for worship. All right? So, the songs that we sing, the creed comes to aid. <laughs> <laughs> to say okay so we're seeing and can it be that I should gain that my God died for me is this, is this true is this true what does it look like 
Discipleship. You can use it as a discipleship tool. You can even take the creed, open it up. You can look at the, the attributes of God. You can look at who the Father is, what the role of the Father is, who the Son is, what the role of the Son is, the Spirit, what his role, where did he proceed from, who sent the Spirit, was it the Father only, or the Father and the Son? What are the implications of believing thus? How does that affect my worship? How does it affect my lifestyle? What do I believe about the Trinity? What do I believe about God? The creed answers it. It's a helpful aid. And it is the summation of the essential doctrines of the faith, as I said, and it has, it has been a centerpiece of evangelism in regards to Christian apologetics. Its truths remind Christians of the essence of their faith and to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. So let me read the, the creed again, even as we are about to enter into a time of questions and answer. I'll read the, well, any version, economical version. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I think there was a song that was released. Um, I think it's called the Apostles' Creed. I don't, I, I'm not sure who, who actually composed it, but uh, many people sing it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the, uh, by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. Some virgins say he descended to hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.